Hey, everybody. Uh, it's been a long time since I uh, rapped at you. Anyway, uh, John Ream here for the uh, early February version of the Nebraska Compployment Podcast, a uh, podcast about workers' compensation in employment law here in the state of Nebraska. And in today's episode, for once, I'm actually going to talk about some laws in Nebraska in regards to workers' compensation and employment law. And then I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the uh, the PRO Act, uh, protecting the right to organize. And um, as I've thought about the various legislation that's you know coming out in the uh, unicameral which nebraska has a one-house legislature and we start at the beginning of the year and we either have a 60 set 60 day session like we do this year or a 90 day session and our legislators are part-time but they think about what's coming in the unicameral and what's in congress i mean my 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 overall impression is is that even though legislation may meanwhile, the devil is in the details. So anyway, um, let's just get started here. Um, I'm going to talk about a, Nebraska, a, a, a workers' compensation bill here in Nebraska that actually got front page attention a few, in the Lincoln Journal Star at least, a few uh, weeks ago, I think the two weeks ago. Um, and I'm talking about LB 963, which is a bill that would make it easier for certain classes of first responders uh, to get mental, mental workers' compensation benefits. So, um, and I think I need to get give a little bit of background before uh, to to. So you guys, the listeners, can better understand this bill. So anyway, what is a what is a mental mental injury, um, particularly if you're not a workers' comp lawyer? Um, here's what it is: a mental mental injury is a injury that happens at work that does not involve a physical trauma and leads to you know, a mental injury like depression or anxiety or PTSD. I mean, it's, it's usually being exposed to something traumatic and it can either be as a result, just like any, like a physical injury, it can be a result of something that's extraordinary, um, at, at kind of a one-time you know, occurrence, like the witness of a murder, or it can, you know, at least uh, medically, it can come on through repetitive trauma, you know, repetitive exposure to things, uh, to traumatic events. So that's what a mental mental is, just to use the workers' comp, um, explain workers' compensation term terms to people. So who's a first responder? I mean, it depends on what the law is, but I mean, first responders obviously include uh, in Nebraska include police, firefighters, um, first responders have also been expanded 
to include um, corrections workers and so-called frontline workers or that work with high-risk individuals within the Department of Health and Human Services, such as the Nebraska Regional Center, which is our state's mental hospital. So that's the first responders are. And Nebraska already has so-called mental, mental benefits for first responders. Uh, had them for quite a while, and they were recently expanded to include corrections workers and frontline employees of the Health and Human Services Department. What this bill does is it makes it easier for the for some first responders to get those mental mental benefits. And I think I need to under explain a little bit more about what needs to happen in order for a worker to get mental mental benefits in Nebraska covered worker. I mean, first of all, you know, like any work injury, you need a you need medical opinion linking the trauma to 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 the injury. So so you need that. And in Nebraska, that can either be done with a doctor or a psychologist. The bill 963 allows it expands the class of experts that can testify to that. They can include physicians' assistants, but they have to put it in the form of an affidavit, which isn't you know required anymore. Now, just regular medical dictation will do. So there's that. So yeah, but you have to have a, a doctor uh, causally relating the trauma to the injury or a medical provider. Also. Um, with a mental mental injury, there's not just a factual, you know, kind of a medical causation. You also there's also a legal causation, like there is with heart attacks, and you gotta show something, I believe, extraordinary and unusual mental trauma in order to collect mental mental benefits. So, so you have you have that. So in that makes it a little bit harder. And I think the problem, what, what the bill, what the bill is trying to do is, I think the problem that it's trying to solve is, is that, and I, and I kind of got this from talking to some of my law partners about this, is that a lot of repetitive, tra a lot of trauma injuries for first responders, in you know, they may see something like a shooting or be involved in like a riot or a police, like a prison riot or something, and they're just fine. And then, you know, they're exposed to something that, you know, maybe it triggers them. You know, maybe like, you know, they're, they're in a cell with two inmates alone and all of a sudden they, they lose it. So it's kind of like there's a minor trauma that prompts them. And under the law, then uh, that, that trauma in and of itself may not be enough to get you mental mental benefits. So I mean I think that's the pro that's what the that's what the bill you know maybe trying maybe trying to do um so and I think it's well well intentioned but the way the bill's drafted is 
makes it hard to figure out what's going on and I think could make it harder for other types of workers to receive mental mental benefits. So instead of the bill saying that, you know, we recognize repetitive strain, you know, you know, repetitive trauma in mental injuries, the bill, what it does is it <clears throat> creates a rebuttable presumption for a certain class of for, for, for first responders and then it um, but you, you only get the presumption if not only do you show medical causation but you also have to go through what resilience training and take you know on an annual basis and who knows what resilience training is and you also have to have a mental examination before employment to get the benefit of the of the, of the presumption. So, I mean, I think this would um, this would um, help first responders working for larger departments um, that that you know have those things, and but it may leave out first responders who work for smaller departments and you know don't you know don't take you know these mental examinations as the conditions of hire and don't go through the um don't go through the quote unquote resilience training and i i have no idea what resilience training is and nobody really knows has really explained it or anything like that who knows whether it's um effective or not but you know apparently uh you know it could be endorsed in under nebraska workers compensation law is something you you know that's encouraged to get benefits so and that's a little odd and I don't like that in and of the fact that you know and again the the, the, the some of these things are are, are are they're not mandatory like the 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 training and the examinations beforehand but you know you're treating mental injuries different than physical injuries I mean there's no requirement for example that you know if you're going to claim that you you know tore your rotator cuff working you know if you tore your rotator cuff at work there's no requirement that in order for you to you know get workers compensation benefits that you know you took a pre pre-hire physical and that you you know you stri- you, you did stretches before work so i mean i i think that's a little odd the other thing that i don't like about the bill as least as introduced was a whole finding of legislative facts which essentially says that first responders are are brave and which you know they are i mean i'm not yeah i mean they they absolutely are exposed to a lot of stuff but you know the way that those findings of fact read it, you know particularly way that those findings of fact read they would i mean it would make it almost impossible at least through through court process to argue that somebody who's not a first responder like let's say a retail worker who's robbed or you know exposed to violent crime or you know a bank employee or you know any number of people that aren't first responders there's almost no way if that statute is that legislative language is in there that those that, that workers like that would be able to mount any type of equal protection challenge on on um on not getting mental mental benefits. So 
because, I mean, workers' compensation laws are reviewed on what's called a rational basis test. And so if the legislature has any reason, doesn't even necessarily need to be a good reason to do it, uh, those laws will be upheld on a constitutional basis. And uh, that finding a legislative, that finding a fact in 963, or it would certainly, I think, shut the door on any rational basis constitutional challenge, equal protection challenge of non-first responders getting mental, mental benefits. So, I mean, again, LB 963 means well. I think it has some good intents, good intentions, but it's a, it's a real flawed bill. And, um, and I, you know, I hope that, I hope, I hope something, I hope that either they, you know, they hold off on another session or they get something worked out that's a lot more clear. So, but anyway, so that's LB 963. Next, I'm going to talk about LB Legislative Bill 627, which would expand uh, Nebraska's Fair Employment Practices Act to uncover, to, to cover sexual orientation and gender identity. All right. <clears throat> LB 627, uh, Legislative Bill 627 would, um, anyway, expands our civil rights laws here in Nebraska. It includes sexual orientation and gender identity. And, you know, and this bill has been, been introduced for several years now. And over the last couple of years, it has gotten the support of various chambers of commerce, including the Greater Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, uh, or Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce, Nebraska Chamber of Commerce. Apparently, the uh, Chamber of Commerce up in Norfolk, Nebraska, uh, certainly Norfolk, uh, fairly conservative community, has actually weighed in in favor of LB 627 as well. Um, and I, I favor it. I mean, yeah, I think... Yeah, sexual orientation and gender identity ought to be in uh, exp expressly within within our Fair Employment Practices Act. I mean, I think you can argue that <clears throat> gender already covers it, and um, that's the argument that essentially was made in exp in, in the um, federal on the Supreme Court case that was argued back in October. But yeah, no, I I, I think I, I support the bill 100%. Omaha has already expanded its uh, city, municipal human rights ordinance to include gender identity and sexual orientation. You know, Lincoln, don't even get me started on Lincoln. You know, we have, we Lincoln, the city council passed a fairness ordinance back in like 2012. And that would have expanded our our, our human rights um, ordinance to include sexual orientation, and it's basically it's sat there ever since. And it's just Lincoln's a university town, and it's just a bunch of libs bollocksing it and saying, "No, we need to pass it in the legislature," and and it, it just keeps getting blocked in the legislature. So. You know, fortunately, it looks like uh, the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, is going to expand 
uh, Title VII. Um, if you look at what, what Neil Gorsuch's question to include sexual orientation and gender identity. So, so it looks like we might at least uh, people will have those will have those you know people that are of you know sexual orientation and gender identity at least uh, should be protected on on a federal level. So, but anyway, I mean, I, I don't, like I said, I support LB 627, but I can't stand the framing of it. I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're using civil rights laws as, as, as an economic development tool, as a way to attract younger workers. Well, here's my thing. If a civil rights law is supported by, or fair employment practices laws is 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 more or less supported by the chambers of commerce, it doesn't say much for the effectiveness of those laws. I mean, you have protections, but you know the actual protections are very are are, are pretty weak, and um, so, and I have a problem with you know particularly Democrats who you know, you know, want to sound like they're pro-business and, you know, we want to expand our civil rights laws, you know, almost symbolically, you know, and, um, but we don't want to give them any bite. And I have a real problem with that. Um, part of what, um, the law is, is meant to do is to, you know, attract younger workers to Nebraska and retain younger workers in Nebraska. And I've blogged about this a couple of times. I mean, if we actually wanted to, you know, attract and retain younger workers in Nebraska, we could just amend our age discrimination statutes and to, to outlaw discrimination against younger workers. And I've blogged about this for a couple of years. They have similar protections in Canada. I posted something up last week. There was some business professor who actually posted something on MSNBC kind of writing the same thing. In my experience, the actual way people talk about millennials, in particular young people, is just absolute it's deplorable. I mean, absolute blanket discrimination against younger workers, and it's it's you no wonder young people you know aren't really enthusiastic about applying for applying for work and and, and scared on the job because they're almost assumed to be lazy and crooked and that's completely untrue you know uh people who supervise younger workers i mean i think they they're great they're millennials are great employees uh you know for the most part and i don't think you know i think most people are good employees too so and the other thing about age discrimination is if we if we let's say we did race and nationality discrimination like we did age discrimination so essentially you would be covering some nationalities and not others. For example, you would, um, let's say, you know, let's say like Asians were excluded, but, you know, blacks and Hispanics were still included. So you could discriminate all you wanted against Asians, but then you couldn't discriminate against African Americans, Hispanics, and whites. I mean, do, do you think that it would that it would lessen discrimination against protected classes if we're allowed to discriminate against an unprotect a large unprotected class? I don't think so. 
So I think the point particularly made by that, um, that uh, professor from uh, Miami of Ohio that I, that I linked to in my blog was that if, you know, if we can discriminate against young people and that's legal, it, it certainly makes it more likely that we're going to stereotype against older workers, even though it's illegal to do so. But again, uh, the protections against older workers are even weaker than our civil rights laws in general. So anyway, that's my take on LB 967. And finally, to close things out, I'm going to talk about the PRO Act, protecting the right to organize. Be back in just a second. Finally, the PRO Act, protecting the right to organize. Passed by the House of Representatives this week, uh, the PRO Act would, long story short, make it much easier to for workers to organize unions. Um, would also outlaw right to, you know, would more or less outlaw right states being right to work, which means uh, right to work is the right Right, basically, not to pay union union dues when you're represented. Um, so it would strengthen labor unions quite a bit. Um, and the what I want to talk about with the Pro Act, at least in the substance of the law, is the application of the ABC test. Uh, the ABC test, um, more or less. Um, makes it almost impossible, makes it very difficult for workers, for employers to misclassify employees as contractors. Um, and the ABC test is pretty much the heart of uh, Assembly Bill 5, AB5 in California, um, which came, which was passed and is now being implemented. So it is, um, the PRO Act applies the ABC test for the purposes of the National Labor Relations Act. So, so essentially what it says is that if for Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, all sorts of gig economy workers, they are um, employees for the purposes of the National Labor Relations Act. Because, of course, if they're contractors, uh, they're, they're not protected under the law. So... So I, I looked at that, and um, so how does how would that affect other laws? And I mean, long story short, is it wouldn't. It only applies to the NLRA, National Labor Relations Act, or laws that go to organizing unions and. Um, one kind of theme of my blogging and, you know, podcasting about the law is that every set of laws that regulate the workplace, whether it's workers' compensation, whether it's unemployment, whether it's civil rights, um, there's a different test as to, you know, whether those laws apply. And there's also a whole other different sets of laws between federal and state as well. So, you know, so all that the PRO Act does is hold that 
for the purpose for purposes of federal labor law that gig economy workers are are employees. Um, I was disappointed in the PRO Act because I don't see that see why there's any reason that the PRO Act couldn't include something that would say, you know, all employees, you know, for the purposes of not only the National Labor Relations Act, but also for if you're a covered employee under the ABC test, you're an employee for the purposes of taxes as well, which would mean if you're covered under, which would mean one, that you would get Medicare, uh, Social Security, you know, unemployment as well, but that the PRO Act doesn't include that. And um, I have some, that, that concerns me somewhat. Couple reasons. One, if the PRO Act would apply the ABC test and say that if you're, if you're covered under, under the ABC test, your gig economy workers are covered under, under, under federal, under federal tax law, then I mean, granted, it wouldn't mean that they were covered for the purposes of workers' compensation, but, but the fact that gig economy workers would, you know, would, would not be respond would be, you know, would, would not be responsible for their taxes that would certainly be a thumb on the scale of them being covered under workers' compensation laws on a state basis, because that's oftentimes, you know, a element of whether you're an employee or an employer. So, and the PRO Act doesn't do that. I mean, you can argue that, wow, this is only about labor organizing. And that's fine, but I think what this opens the, could open the door to is, um, let's say you pass the PRO Act, and it gets through, and um, you, you know, drive, you know, gig economy workers are able to organize in unions, but they still don't have benefits. So, you know, what kind of benefits do they get? I mean, they don't. That's not only they don't have benefits like health insurance, but they have like they don't have like anything and i think what it opens the door for is you know for is for these kind of sketchy portable benefits plans where instead of you know having traditional employee be- traditional mandated employee benefits like workers comp medicare social security and maybe you bargain for health insurance instead you just get some you know you get a portable benefits plan which is you know you know, essentially the cut rate version of the type of social insurance that you would get. So, I mean, it's just, it's real kind of cynical. I mean, you know, it would be an unscrupulous union could, you know, could get some, could get some dues and they could cut a deal with a, uh, cut a deal with a gig economy company and they could, you know, the, and wall street could get paid too if they, uh, offered some, you know, some portable benefits plan that would, uh, you know, ship explicitly shift the cost of work injuries on to injured workers. And, um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of room for mischief there. And maybe that's some of that just, um, is my own political point of view coming out during a primary. I don't know. Just also politically, it's interesting that, you know, the PRO Act passes. And again, it's a good thing that it passes, but 
The PRO Act has no chance of being enacted. Mitch McConnell is not is not going to touch it. And there's no way that Donald Trump would sign it. In fact, Donald Trump is uh, more or less trying to break unions uh, within the Department of Defense right now and weaken unions in the federal sector. So there is no chance that the PRO Act would get passed. Now, hey, look, there's an election in, what, nine months or whatever. You know, I mean, I, bluntly, I wish it was right now, but there's an election coming up. So what happens if the Democrats, you know, you know keep the House, get the Senate back, and and get get the presidency um are they really going to pass the pro act or what form would they pass the pro act and let's just remember back go back to 2009 when we had president obama and we had nancy pelosi as house speaker and 60 democrats in the senate darn near supermajority in the democratic party wouldn't even pass the Employee Free Choice Act or card check, which is, you know, one component of the PRO Act. So when the Democrats had the opportunity to do something uh, a lot less radical than the PRO Act, they didn't do it. And and I think that's legitimate to ask questions of our Democratic candidates of, you know, if you guys actually get power and can actually do this, are you going to do it? And if you do it, you know, what, what, what's it actually going to look like, you know? So, but yeah, but, but, you know, pro act, pro act, good thing. But again, the devil folks is in the details. And I, I'm sorry I said folks, that's too folksy. So anyway, all right, I'm going to wrap things up. It's February, Nebraska. I'm recovering from a cold. I got to be at my in-laws at 12 o'clock. I'm going to try to work out here. So, all right. Talk to you towards the end of the month. Later.